are listening to Dragon Ore, book three of the Dawning of Power trilogy, written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 13 Procrastination Robs the World of Countless Treasures Massimo Arturo Scribe For a moment, Catrin simply stood, motionless. So much had happened in such a short time that she found herself in a state of shock. Only when Chase moved to her side and took her by the arm did she return to her senses. Come over here and sit down, he said, and she let him lead her. On a huge chunk of what had once been part of Kyrian's prison, she sat. How bad is your leg? he asked, looking over her wound. I don't understand. You took this wound yesterday, yet it looks like it happened weeks ago. I'm not sure, Katrin said, not wanting to admit what she had done, and very much wanting to keep the struggle with her subconscious a secret. No matter how ashamed she was of healing herself, despite the potential consequences, she was alive. Her heart broke a little when she silently vowed to bear no children, but she would not repeat the mistakes made by Enoch Geist. If she had no children, then there was no way Katrin could pass along any deadly traits. Still, tears slid down her face. Whatever the reason... Chase finally said, It's a blessing. Are you in pain? Only a little, but I'll be fine. Is Prios hurt? I am uninjured, but I need rest. His voice was timid in Katrin's mind, and he approached her slowly, his eyes downcast. When he reached the chunk of rock, he climbed up next to Katrin, curled into a ball, and slept. Chase finished his inspection of Katrin's wounds. Looks like you'll live. I think we should stay up here for the night. I'm going to try and find some wood for a fire and some food. Prios did not move or even open his eyes, but his voice whispered in Katrin's mind. Both can be found in the chambers at the back of the hall. There's food and wood back there, Katrin said, pointing. How do you know that? Chase asked. Prios told me. I thought he was asleep. Not quite yet. Chase left to explore the back of the hall, but not before casting a suspicious glance at Prios, who still appeared to be asleep. When Chase returned, his arms were laden with wood, and he placed it within the existing fire ring. With plenty of kindling, he soon had a small fire going. On his next trip, he returned with salted fish and some hard cheese. Not much left after this, Chase said, as he and Katrin ate. Not sure how Belegra expected to survive up here. In a moment of panic, both Chase and Katrin realized that there might still be Jean's soldiers about. They could be out hunting and could return at any time. Chase quickly stood, and Katrin drew a sharp intake of breath. 
They are all dead, Pryor said in Katrin's mind. I alone survived. I thought you were sleeping, Katrin said. I would, if you would stop flooding me with anxiety. When you worry, your thoughts boom in my head like thunder. I'm sorry, she said, embarrassed. You have to tell me what he's saying, Chase said, or this is going to drive me crazy. He says the rest of the Jean soldiers are dead. He's all that's left. I'll tell you the rest, Chase. I promise. But first I need rest. You two sleep. I'll keep watch. Standing at the gunwales, Strom tried to relax, but his hands seemed to constantly clench into fists of their own volition. Osborne and Brother Vaughn were recovering from their wounds, and Strom was torn. You can't go back in there alone, Kenward said. It's just too dangerous. Yet that's exactly what Catherine and Chase are doing. I'd be in no more danger than them. I can't stay here and wait while they struggle to survive. I've already seen the dangers they face, and I don't know how they could survive it alone. In a moment that brought Strom to tears, three of Kenward's crew came forward. Farsi, Bryn, and Nimsy. We'll go with him, Farsi said. Others volunteered as well, but we know we can't all go. Kenward seemed torn, and he paced the deck while he considered. Nora stood nearby, watching him, and she tapped the toe of her boot on the deck. I'm sorry, Kenward said. I cannot let any of you go. If you were lost, then chances are none of us would ever see our homes again. We simply can't afford to lose. By the gods! Everyone turned to see what had frightened Kenward, and Strom saw a terrifying sight. Like a wave of death, a black tide raced toward them. Like a single huge organism, it moved faster than the swiftest horse. Strom braced himself and offered a hasty prayer, knowing they would need every bit of help they could get. No longer could he hope to find Katrin and Chase. Now he could hope only to survive. Get up, Chase said. He's gone. What? Who's gone? Katrin asked, still trying to clear her mind of sleep. Outside it was nearly dark. Only the blush of the false dawn gave any light. Prios. With a wide yawn, Katrin sat up, her body stiff and sore. He'll be back. How can you be so sure it's not a trap? He could be going for help. I know he said the rest were dead, but I don't trust him. Prios and I are connected, Katrin said. There is a bond between us that I cannot explain, but I know it's there. We can trust him. I assure you of that. As if to prove her point, Prios returned to the hall in that moment, carrying a basket of freshly caught fish. Breakfast, he said in Katrin's mind. 
Thank you, Chase said after Katrin relayed Prios's words. I'm sorry I didn't trust you. Trust should be given only to those who have earned it. Maybe, someday, he and I will trust each other. Maybe, today. Katrin relayed his words, but Chase made no response. Instead, he helped clean the fish while Katrin sliced the roots Prius had found. Using Belegra's cook pot and a jar of fresh water from his stores, they made a bland but filling stew, and knowing they would need all the energy they could get, they ate all of what they had. When they finished the meal, Prios took Katrin by the hand and silently led her to the back of the hall. Beyond the rooms used for storage and what had been sleeping quarters for the soldiers was the room Belegra had used. Inside were two rough stone slabs. He'd used one for a bed and the other as a table. On the table, next to the remains of a burned-out candle, was a stack of leather-bound books, and Katrin looked upon them with undisguised fear. The books are not evil. They are just books. Perhaps you can do some good with them. Despite his words, Katrin reached out for the books with trepidation, haunted by the fear that Belegra had left a trap for her. When she lifted the books from the table, though, nothing happened, and she felt foolish. Taking those and a few other items that could be useful, she loaded them into her pack. Chase and Prios rummaged through the stores and filled packs for themselves. As they reached the entrance to the hall, Katrin looked over the mountains, down the river valleys, and to the sea. There, the slippery eel waited. Let's go home, she said. Prepare to fend them off, Kenward said as the tide of dark shapes gathered near his ship, hiding beneath the waves, waiting to strike. This was not an act of curiosity. Kenward could feel their hostility. Unwilling to leave Katrin and Chase behind, he kept the slippery eel moving, but the dark shapes followed them wherever they sailed. With great speed and endurance, they followed faster and farther than the wind could drive the eel. We can't outrun them, whatever they are. Not sure we can fight them, either, Nora said. If they are Golgi, as Brother Vaughn has guessed... Then they have tough, armor-like skin that we are unlikely to penetrate with spears. If they try to board us, we must repel them as we would any other foe. But if they attack the underbelly of the ship... We're helpless. Kenward finished the thought for her. Put us under full sail. Let's just see how long these things can keep swimming. Finding the way back to their boat proved to be more difficult than Katrin had imagined. Surrounded by dense forest, it was easy to lose their way, and each time Chase had to climb above the canopy to gauge their course, they lost precious time. As daylight began to fail, chilling fear nearly paralyzed Katrin, who knew the Golgi would come. 
if only she knew when. Climbing and cutting their way through the underbrush while trying to remain alert for danger was exhausting, and Katrin swayed on her feet, taken by a spell of dizziness. The world seemed to shift and move, and only the tree trunk she found herself clinging to kept her from falling. Chase cursed and stopped. I know you're tired, Cat, but we can't keep stopping, he said. If we don't make it back to the ship before dark, we could be in big trouble. I know. I'm sorry, Katrin said, ashamed of her own weakness. You've been through a lot. I suppose it's to be expected, but you're going to have to push yourself. Rest for now. I'm going to climb up and make sure we're going the right way. Katrin lost track of how many times they had stopped and how many times Chase had changed their direction after one of his climbs. The jungle looked the same no matter how far they went, and she started to fear they would never get out. We're getting closer, I promise you, Chase said as he climbed back down. But Katrin lacked the energy to respond. Prios moved without complaint. When Katrin rested, he rested, and when she walked, he walked with her. Like a second shadow, he always seemed to be right behind her, and she took comfort from his presence. He was living evidence that she had done something worthwhile, and that knowledge helped to keep her moving. Somewhere up in the clouds, Katrin imagined Kyrian soaring on the wind, and the image made her smile. That made two good things, and she moved ahead with newfound energy. It was Chase who called the next break, and Katrin dropped to the ground, suddenly weary once again. The sun was beginning to sink, and their journey took on a new sense of urgency. Though Chase said they were nearing the boat, Katrin wondered if he was just saying that to keep her moving. At the moment, she no longer cared which it was, all she wanted was to be free of the jungle. The longer she stayed under the canopy of green, the more she felt she would never leave. As they cut through a thicket of bramble, though, the landscape changed. Ahead, huge granite boulders, only their tops free of lichen and moss, rose from the jungle floor and blocked the way ahead. Chase climbed up first, struggling to get a solid grip on the slippery surface. He clawed through the soft moss and dug his fingers into hidden cracks. When he reached the top, he secured a rope to a nearby tree and tossed the other end down to Katrin. Even with the rope, the climb was treacherous, and Katrin cried out when she lost her footing. With only the rope holding her, she crashed into the side of the rock, slamming her wounded leg into a sharp corner. When she finally reached the top, her leg was soaked in blood. Her scabs had been ripped open. Prios made the climb without difficulty while Chase bandaged Katrin's leg. She was tempted to heal herself again, but feared the consequences. Already the barrier between her conscious and subconscious minds was breaking down, and she did not want to risk damaging it further. Despite her vows, she feared other, unforeseen ramifications. Still, every painful step tempted her. 
Beyond the stones lay a narrow valley that sloped gracefully downward. Now we just need to keep moving lower, Chase said. Eventually we should find water, and from there we should follow the shore until we find the boat. Bolstered by Chase's confidence, Katrin moved as fast as she could, and they started to make what seemed like real progress. The land continued to slope downward, and when the wind shifted, the sound of running water drifted to them. Ahead, the small valley they followed opened into a much larger valley. Beyond one last hill, they found a sheer drop. A few tenacious trees grew from the side of the mountain, but they were widely spaced. I'm going to look for the best way down, Chase said. Wait here. Katrin and Prios found a shady spot and leaned against the spongy moss. I think I see where we left the boat, Chase said when he returned. There looks to be a way down, but it won't be easy. Let's not waste any time, Katrin said as she stood. I just want this to be over. Chase led them along a meandering path, where they followed a ledge that was, at times, only a hand's width across. Using his knife to create handholds in the soft limestone, Chase did what he could to make the climb easier. There came times, though, when they had no choice but to jump between large rocks and boulders. Chase led the way, and some of the rocks moved when he landed. Katrin could only hope they would stay in place long enough for her and Prios to cross. Each landing brought new levels of pain. Blood seeped through Katrin's bandages, and at times dizziness nearly overcame her. Her vision became cloudy and blurred. Chase allowed her to rest, but the breaks were kept short. Even when they did stop, Katrin found it impossible to relax in such precarious positions. When they finally reached the shore, her will was nearly spent. Soaked with sweat, her hair hung down into her eyes, causing them to sting and burn. Her legs trembled with every step, and her breathing was labored. Be strong. Having Prios behind her, enduring the same trials yet never complaining, helped Katrin to remain focused. She could not fail him now, not when they had come so far. There it is, Chase shouted. Katrin made it to the boat before she collapsed to the ground. Prios helped Chase gather wood for the signal fire. Unable to find much dry kindling, Chase shaved bits of bark into a pile. Prios struck the flint, and each spark was like a ray of hope. When one finally caught and the air filled with smoke, Katrin began to believe they might actually make it. As the fire established itself, flames leaped high into the sky, but Chase said it was still not enough. He and Prios gathered as many pine branches as they could find, creating a pile near the fire. Then, when they had what he considered to be enough, they threw it all on top of the fire at once. For a moment, it looked as if they had extinguished the fire, but then great billows of smoke began to pour around the pine needles. In a blinding flash, the fire erupted with its full strength, Popping and hissing, it sent flames and burning embers high into the twilight skies. 
And now, Chase said, we wait. Damage report! Kenward shouted with the slightest hint of panic in his voice, his knuckles white from clutching the wheel. The hull's not been breached, but they've beat joints loose in places. We've got a thousand small leaks, Bryn replied. You're making too much speed for the shape we're in, Nora said. The eel will come apart if we keep this up. With the wind at his back, Kenward could not resist the speed. He needed to get away from the boiling gulgy to give his crew time to make repairs. Though none of the beasts had shown themselves, Kenward was now convinced it was the Golgi they faced. These creatures were clever and strong, and, if nothing else, determined. Maintain current speed. Make repairs as best as you can. Keep in mind that we'll most likely get attacked again. Yes, sir, Bryn said before spinning on his heel and running below decks. It's your ship, Nora said. I'm going to supervise the repairs. Send someone for me if you need any advice to ignore. Drawing a deep breath, Kenward hoped he was right. All of their lives were at stake, and he had never felt more vulnerable. In all his close encounters, he had always been confident he would somehow survive, but now he had a sick feeling in his stomach. Smoke, sir! The signal fire's been lit! Boil me, Kenward said, knowing he needed to make repairs before going back into shallow waters. That was where the Golgi wanted him. What am I supposed to do now? I just saw a bright flash, sir, as if something exploded, the lookout yelled, and an instant later what sounded like a thunderclap reached them. Set a course for the signal fire, Kenward yelled, his mind made up. As his gut continued to churn, he wondered if he was taking his final risk. The attack came swiftly and nearly silently. No smell announced the presence of the Golgi, since the attack came from the water. Charging to shore, nearly a dozen Golgi attacked. Chase jumped to his feet and ran to meet them, howling. The first Golgi raised its mighty clawed hand to strike Chase down, and Katrin reacted quicker than she ever had before. In the span of a breath, she drew on the power around her and unleashed it in a single action. A bolt of electric light slammed into the Golgi, scattering them and leaving some stunned, but others were quick to mount another attack. After Katrin's instinctive release of power, she noticed it had very little backlash. Feeling only slightly drained, she used the new technique to fire off bolts of energy at every approaching Golgi. Each strike stunned its target, but it was not enough to stop the attack, and more Golgi were emerging from the water. One terrified glance at the water revealed hundreds of dark shapes moving toward the shallows. Concentrating on the two Golgi that were bearing down on Chase, Katrin pulled Belegra's chunk of dragon ore from her pocket. 
drawing on it, her staff, and the air, she prepared to deliver a more powerful blow. But before she released her attack, Prios's voice thundered in her mind. You are not strong enough alone. Use me. Like a flash flood, he gave himself to her completely and utterly, and she was overwhelmed by the essence of him. It took only an instant, but it seemed much longer to Katrin. Praying her momentary hesitation had not cost Chase his life, she attacked. Ropes of fire and lightning raced across the shore and struck thunderous impacts. The shoreline was suddenly littered with smoking golgi forms. Others had been tossed back into the water. Limping, Chase retreated. All was still for a moment, and over Chase's shoulder, Katrin saw the slippery eel as she rounded the bend. In the next instant, though, her hopes were dashed. Undaunted, the Golgi resumed their attack, and now they came in even larger numbers. Stay behind me, Katrin shouted, and no one argued. With Prios still open to her, Katrin allowed both of them to draw from her staff and the oddly disjointed energy of Belegra's dragon ore. As soon as she opened the energy to him, Prios pulled deeply and she could sense his shock and wonder. It's so beautiful. Almost drawn in by his fascination, Katrin had to pull herself back to the fight. Golgi were advancing toward her, and to her horror, the slippery eel also seemed to be under attack. With a cry of anguish, she attacked. Again the Golgi fell before her fury, and again it was not enough. It seemed an endless supply of Golgi waited for their own chance to attack. When she looked out to the slippery eel, her last glimmer of hope began to fade. Kenward watched as his ship was overwhelmed. Golgi clung to the slippery eel, pulling her lower in the water. Some tried to board the ship, but most seemed content to pull the ship under with their sheer weight. One of those bold enough to make the deck had his mother cornered, and he rushed to her aid. The beast turned as he came, screaming, and Kenward thrust his spear into its reptilian eye. Issuing a shrill scream, the Golgi dropped back over the railing. "'Go for their eyes!' Kenward shouted, but he knew it would not be enough. There were simply too many. Swaying on her feet, Katrin prepared to deliver another blast of power. Prios was nearly drained, and she could ask no more of him. Using her energy alone, she cast out a desperate attack. In the momentary pause it created, she watched as the slippery eel was slowly and inexorably pulled underwater. The Golgi clung to the ship like a writhing mass of ants. The attack on land began again, just as the slippery eel's prow dipped below the water. 
Above the roar of the attack, a keening wail could be heard that made every Golgi take pause. Looking up, Katrin saw a circling cloud of dragons. Calling out in unison, the mighty serpents folded their wings and dived. Many struck the water, full speed, and others pulled up to skim over the shore. In the next instant, the air was filled with activity and the screams of the Golgi. Katrin watched in awe as Kyrian swept down in front of her and cast the Golgi aside. Using his head and tail, he sent them flying through the air. His brethren continued to strike the water, looking like giant seabirds. "'Now's our chance!' Chase shouted above the din. Prios and Katrin raced to his aid as he began sliding the small boat to the water. Kyrian stayed near Katrin and snapped up any Golgi that came too close. Once they were in the water, though, the situation became even more dire. Dragons continued to crash into the river, only to launch back into the skies a moment later. Tossed by the growing waves, Katrin and the others barely held on. When she looked around, Kyrian was nowhere to be found. Though progress was slow, the slippery eel grew ever closer. The ship was now riding higher in the water, and most of the Golgi were now fighting for their lives. Katrin, Chase, and Prios rode as hard as they could and approached the slippery eel. Apparently not wanting to waste time retrieving the boat, the crew dropped a boarding net over the side. Katrin leaped to the net first. The others followed. But her leg no longer wanted to hold her weight, and she had difficulty climbing. When Chase reached the deck, he leaned over the gunwale and extended his hand to her. Grab on, Cat. I'll pull you up. Exhausted, she reached out to him. But before their hands met, a reptilian claw reached from the water and grabbed her legs. Desperate, Chase extended himself further, kept on the ship only by Prios, who grabbed him by the ankles. His hand connected with Katrin's, and she clung to it. With all her strength, she tried to hold on, but slowly she began to slip. No! Chase screamed. Don't you dare let go! There was nothing more she could do. She had no strength left, and she felt her fingertips sliding over his as the Golgi's grip grew ever tighter. Just as she thought she would succumb, the Golgi released her and screamed, its lower half engulfed in Kyrian's jaws. After tossing the Golgi away, Kyrian nudged Katrin from behind, and she let Chase pull her onto the deck. The last thing she saw before she passed out was Kyrian, wheeling in the sky, circling over the ship. That concludes this episode of Dragon Ore. Thank you for listening. For news and the latest releases, visit patioracket.com.